There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the big interview for part two with Ramon Calderon. If you've not heard part one, it's not obligatory by law, but it is part of your recommended five-a-day allowance. This chapter deals with Ramon's life inside the club he loves, how he became Real Madrid president, how his style differs from that of Florentino Perez, the president who gave us Los Galacticos, and the current incarnation of Madrid, whose success Calderon wonders at given the chaos that led to Zidane's appointment. There's great insider knowledge here about the deals done and others not quite done. You may leave with a new appreciation of David Beckham, Lord Beckham, is it now? And you'll want to go to YouTube to check out the finale of the 2007 La Liga season. Okay, vamos. Let's go. One of the things then that we should do is, because we're talking to you, because you took your love of Real Madrid into something active and you became president why did you want to become president? I didn't really. It wasn't no. something. <laughs> no, no. It's I mean, a good answer. I mean, I, I mean, it's not something you prepare. No. You are prepared for. You start little by little. First, being a fan, a follower, being a member. When I came to Madrid to work as a lawyer to open my own office in the seventies, I became a member. It wasn't easy at the time. I said, it is not now. Then I started to go to the matches, to the Bernabeu Stadium. I started to be a participant in the life of the club, in many senses, going to the general assemblies and just being in touch with the directors and so on. And uh, I went to an elections. Um, as uh, I ran as vice president, we didn't win those elections. And then in 2000, I helped the current president to be where he is now. And uh, then I, I started with him for six years. When he decided to step down, I wasn't really interested in that. It is, it's, it's a problem. We can talk about that. Many different uh, pressures. You have uh, been in that position. You have to abandon in some way your way, uh, your uh, work. Uh, your professional your family, life suffers. Everything, everything suffers. So when he stepped down, some of the directors pushed me, said, you can be there, we like it, you've been for many years fighting for the club and so on. So I tried to go to the elections. I was sure I was going to lose those elections. I was, was uh, fighting with another four very big contenders, and one of them was supported by the current president. So all the, the machinery of the club was in favor of that candidate. Uh, but I managed to win. I, I don't know why. I appear in many media and TV, radio, newspapers. I explained what I wanted to do. What was very simple, keep the good things. We had that up to that moment, which was 
to bring good players, well, what I've explained before, good players, attract uh, sponsors, titles, and with the money, part of the money, again, signing best players. But we've forgotten something very important, is to be focused on the field. Mm -hmm. We have forgotten that. In a lot of commercials, uh, players could do their life. Even the president said, I'm leaving because I spoiled them. I didn't do the right things to do. And I said, let's do that. Let's keep the right things and let's change the wrong ones. I think the members accepted that that was a good idea. And I became president. So I started doing that. And uh, we did something very difficult because we changed 14 players in one month. We came from three years without getting any title. It was the first time in history that Real Madrid didn't get any title. I signed Capello, so he came. I thought it was the time to put someone who give order to the club. I decided, it, it, I know it's a trivial one, but it summarized our idea, my idea, and I the other people who were with me, and I put a banner in all the changing rooms of all the teams of the club, including the one in the Bernabeu Stadium, that the, play, the players could see when they go to the pitch saying, if we fight, we can lose, but if we don't, we are lost. So that was the idea that it's not enough, the talent and skill. You need more, much more than that. And Capello embodies that, because clearly he was a fantastic footballer. He's a great coach, but what he has is Garra. He has yeah. exactly what you're describing that's as right. well. Is that's this why you went for him? That's right. We thought Mijatovic told me that's the man. I remember many times trying to talk to him, but he thought I wasn't going to be the winner. We have many problems at the time, people trying to avoid him coming with me because, as I said, I wasn't the official candidate. <laughs> I was an outsider a lawyer that wasn't in the elite, was in the, in the establishment. So Real Madrid is something that is considered for the elite, for the establishment, something that belongs to them. So I said, I always say in, in this life, the big ones are the sharks in a pool, and it's some small fish like me, theirs to get into that pool, they really devour you. <laughs> so it's what they tried to do, but they, they, they couldn't. Democracy has this advantage that you can't buy the votes. People go and say, I think that's the guy. I believe in him. I believe he can do what he says is something that I understand. But that's why I won and I, we managed to get Capello in the end. He came. We did, as I said, a very good job. Mainly Mijatovic, I have to be honest. He, he effectively, we're talking about Pedro Mijatovic, who scored... That fabulous the, goal to give the, the seventh in, the in Amsterdam seventh, right. in 1998. And he became like a technical director? Or? Yeah, the technical director. That's right. He was a technical director because I thought, and what, what is the same I, I'm thinking now, that the mistake is that we don't have one. <laughs> now, I am a lawyer, so I know how to defend a case in the court. But I don't know how to build a team. The current president, I've, I've told him many times, he's an engineer. He knows quite well how to uh, build bridges or tunnels or roads, but not to build teams, and mainly a team like Real Madrid. And that's why we've been, these seasons, by the way, all the credit and the merit to the players, awesome what they've done. 
uh, they've been suffering such a mess from the directors and the president that it's difficult to understand how they managed to be until the end, the last match, about to win the title and also to win the Champions League. Bear in mind that in June, not only one year ago, they were supporting Ancelotti. They said he was the right manager. He was sacked. No one beyond all understanding. Nobody no, knows no, why, why the no decision one, was made. Even the president says Correct. in the press conference, they asked him, why are you sacking Ancelotti? And the answer was, I don't know. <laughs> so he was sacked. There was a pilgrimage just looking for another coach. They went to sign Klopp. They went to sign Mourinho. They went to sign Love. The, Jogue Love. Everyone said, well, I don't know why, but they said, we prefer not to go there. So they went to sign Benitez, a coach that came with a short expiring date on the forehead. Everyone knew he wasn't the right coach, but is the one he found. So he came, and which is amazing, is in December, in a press conference, the president said, Benitez is the solution, is not the problem, he will stay, doesn't matter what journalist is saying, and Zidane is not going to be the substitute. Only 15 days after was completely the opposite. Imagine the feeling, I can imagine the feeling of the players at the time, saying, what's happening here? This is... Uh, not understandable. What are we doing here? So, and they turned to Zidane because uh, Zidane was at the time the only one at hand, like they did with, I don't remember the name of the Lopez Caro a uh, long time yeah. ago, yes. in second division B. Yes. It was very risky, but what has been a luck for everyone, mainly Real Madrid, not the president, because I prefer to see the club, is that Zidane has been very clever, very smart in looking for the complicity of the players. He knew that he had the respect of them. They admired them because he's been top, top player. I'm sure he knew he wasn't really prepared for that really big, big challenge. Coming from the second division teams, like uh, someone told me that uh, I was not uh, a bit rude with him saying that he was a second division team, but he was. It's true. He was. I said, imagine... One director, well, one manager of a small office of a bank in a small town in... In Palencia. Palencia. Suddenly he became the chairman of Banco Santander. He said, well, that's a bit strange. It's a big jump. <laughs> it's a big jump. So, but he was very smart, knowing the attraction he has for the players. So, he did that. There's been a big complicity between all of them, among all of them, the players and himself... And they've done something incredible. And, and they've they managed, as I said, up to the last match, able to win the competition. In, in, the, in the league, when they score first in La Coruña and it's 0-0... They, they, they were it, they're it, winning. They're top of the division. That's it, right. It, so, it, it's been extraordinary. It, it's, been, it's been lucky, the idea, but it, you, you see that it's something improvised. That uh, yes, when, when you don't have someone, professionals, helping you in doing that job, normally the logical consequence is a failure. And you see uh, in other teams, for example, Seville, have one person who knows, Monchi, a professional who is working in a way that nobody understands why they are winning all those titles. But they are doing that because there is one professional working There's the whole... There's a system. 
there's planning, right. there's strategy, there's organisation, right. and it's in the hands of an expert. <clears throat> it's like saying to Monchi, would you like to go and build roads and bridges in Colombia? Well, no, that, leave that to ACS, <laughs> leave that to Florentino. That, that, that's my, my point. It's, I've told him many times, he did a quite a good job. I think he was quite good for the club at, at the beginning. He came to change um, a fate that was very, very black in some way with the economic situation we were living. No one could have done what he did perhaps with the training complex, the way he managed to sell it and to pay the debt and to start with some cash to uh, buy Figo and then Beckham and Ronaldo, all the players. That was perfect. But he forgot something that is very important in life, is to delegate, to find people who, who has the knowledge in order to do the things in the right way. And what I did is nothing really special. It's, it's just to find those people. And, and like, like now, you have accountants and managers, no, you need professional... I don't accept that. Before we... You already know that I think the same things as you do about Florentino. I understand that we can also throw in that in a time of crisis in Spain, he gives employment to many people. His company is powerful. Good luck. I disagree completely with the way that he mismanages your club. In football terms. However, when you say, I did nothing special, that's not true. <laughs> that season, no, we're here because also we love football. That season when you took over uh, was extraordinary. It was Beckham's last season. I think he'd only won the Super Cup, which he won in his first week. This player had come to Madrid and there'd been no trophies. I'm absolutely sure that Capello phoned you and said, I want to quit. I'm doing very badly. Mm-hmm. T- tell us, first of all, about well, it's, it's, that it's, phone call. It's true. It's true. At the time, he said, this is a problem. And uh, Well, I've told that other times, and I think it's been published, that uh, he came uh, to my home and with me out of it and said, President, we really don't have a team to win uh, La Liga. We, we need one more year. And I said, and perhaps we, have a, we are going to be out of the Champions League. And I said, I can't believe that. You say that you and I are going to be here next year if we don't play the Champions League. We will have to go to Australia. It's the closest place to here if we don't play. If we don't qualify for the Champions League. So he said, but that, that's the truth and we can't do anything. So knowing that, what I decided to do is to go to the captains, uh, Casillas, Raul and Guti, and said, look, this is the situation. What, what do we do? And say, don't worry, President, we are going to do this in the right way, we're going to talk to the coach, we're going to change the situation. Perhaps the same that has happened with Zidane, uh, to look for the complicity, the coach with the players. At the time, Capello had decided to punish Beckham, Beckham. and he wasn't Dropped even, even on the bench. He was just on, on the stands. Yep. He, because it's true, he said, I don't want to extend my contract. So there was some, some fight between the coach and even the club, we, we wanted him to be here. And, and he, he was, wanted to go to Los Angeles. Yeah, he wanted to go, so you have to accept that. But uh, then the coach um, punished him, and the player said, no, well, le- let's start now. From now, I think it was February. And so Beckham with us, he must come the with us. The players wanted him back. Everyone together, let's fight for this. We can't do that. That's the spirit of this, of this team. And at the time, Raul and Casillas and Guti were representing that strength, or that spirit. Capello understood that. 
and he was a part of the program. He said, okay, I'm going to be with you. You believe in that. I trust you. Let's do that together. And we managed to go from, I think, eight or nine points behind and managed to win La Liga. That was amazing. Everyone was really mad at the last match. And I, I remember being in the main box, 20 minutes to go. We were losing 0-1 against Mallorca. We needed to win. Barcelona was winning in Tarragona, I think, 0-5. That's, that's it. So if they won and we didn't, they were going to be the champions. And I said, there's no God. There's no God. <laughs> after, after four after. months fighting for this, winning amazing matches in the last minute. I remember Espanol, we were losing 0-2 in the halftime. And I remember going to the back of the main box and uh, director told me, don't worry, we will score two goals now. And I said, no, we need three. <laughs> and we did that in the minute 93. Higuain managed to score. He, he was extraordinary that season. Every, everything was, was really in that way. And I said, there's no God, no God. 20 minutes and we are going to lose. So Beckham injured, Van Nistelrooy injured. So who is going to score here? Reyes came from the bench. He had been a substitute the whole season. He scored one goal. Diarra, the... Mahamadou Diarra. Mali, scored the second goal in a corner. And then Reyes again the third goal. Everyone went mad in the main box. I remember taking the, <laughs> the president of the, of the region, uh, Esperanza Aguirre. Sí. I took her, and after that, I, I don't know what happened. I said, President, I think I, I did something wrong. He said, no, no, you, you, you took me right, but you, you didn't manage to leave me in the right way because <laughs> I, I didn't throw her away. So <laughs> One hug and then off you go. I need to celebrate God, with somebody else God. now. So it was worth Really, really amazing. And we won that match. Everyone was committed. Beckham, the first one, I have to say, haven't seen a professional like him in that season. Everything was against him. And I admit that I was also, in some way, I was um, not really happy with him. And I said uh, something that wasn't really the right thing to say. And, And Capello also. But he came back. He didn't say anything against anyone. So professional as no one I've seen ever. Because the normal thing to say when you are going to leave is February, the coach has punished you and say, come back to play with us and say, no, I'm not going to play. Or just... Small holiday until June. Yeah, I'll keep keeping so, my salary, yeah, but okay. if you don't want me... I, I'm not going to do that. It was completely the opposite. Tell me the sign you put up in the dressing room again. What did the sign you put in the dressing room say? If you, <laughs> if you fight, you can lose, but if you don't, you're lost. Beckham loves nothing more. Brilliant professional. Great footballer. Decent man. Good man. But he loves nothing better than adversity. If things are against him... I've said many times it's difficult to find a player of that level at that time when he was going to to fly to LA. He got everything done in his life. And he said, no, no, I'm going to do this until the end. And he was those three months... Just pushing as no other one, committed with the team until the last moment. So I praised him always for that. Really a professional. is a man that really worth having what he's got in, in, in life. You, I remember when he was reinstated to the team up in Anoeta, they were losing to Real Sociedad and he scored this great goal they over Claudio Bravo. That was the moment when I thought, hello, something's happening here. And it was a beautiful fight because people yeah. outside look at Real Madrid. Like you said, the misconception about they were Franco's club, they were false. 
Also, there's a misconception that Real Madrid can only win when they're on top and big and big star, but they fought that year. They fought. You signed Higuain. That's right. Who was a fabulous player for the club. Marcelo. You signed, you signed Marcelo. Marcelo. Who is still... Pepe. To this day, who won the, the Champions League, both of them, yeah. in Milan there. But you it's, began... Snyder and Robin Val, Valnistro was one of those signings that really I'm proud of in Cannavaro. I think those players were really important part of the success. Cannavaro and uh, Van Nistelrooy. Cannavaro came from winning the World Championship with Italy as a captain. Uh, he got the, the Ballon d'Or uh, that season. And Van Nistelrooy was perfect. And I remember Capello wasn't really decided to sign him. He said, he's a fantastic player, but I think Trezeguet is the right one because he was with him in the Juventus. In Juve. But I remember Mijatovic told me, President... Van history because the coaches always want the players they know. He's a good player, Trezeguet, he's been with him, but the right one for us is Van history Let's go for Van history We got him, and that was, I think, that was fantastic. The way he was committed with the, with the team, he was focusing, in a, in, and I was really glad and, and, and appreciate what he did, and so I decided to extend his contract. I think it was, he deserved that. And, and it was really one of those players that really did everything to win the title. Like it was. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you signed Beckham as part of the Junta, part of the directorate, it was from Manchester United. When you signed Van Nistelrooy, it was from Manchester United. What was it like doing business with uh, Manchester United? Uh, difficult. Yes. Uh, Ferguson at the time didn't want to sell him as he didn't want to sell uh, Cristiano. When I signed him, I'll tell you the story after, oh, yes. afterwards. But it's amazing when we're talking about what is football, what football means for the society. There's an anecdote. When we signed Beckham, we, we decided to introduced him to the press at 11 o'clock because it was the time to make up the news in Asia, where he's very popular. 1,000 journalists were attending that uh, introduction. It was the largest live TV audience after Diana's funeral princess. It's something amazing that gives you an idea of what, what means football and what means people like Beckham. It, it's something unbelievable, but uh, it was like that. So it's the idea we had to bring people like him, good players, but also with the attraction for the people, for the audience. They must for, have both. They must have both. We, as I said before, we forgot that. But talking about uh, Ferguson, he was not interested, of course, in losing him. And after that, he had... We, with Van Lister, we hadn't that problem because he... They had he fallen out completely, yeah, the he, two he of them. He wanted to get rid of him. Yes. So there was no problem. Even... We got him a very, very uh, small amount of money, I think 12 million, which was amazing for the player he was. And then 
comes the episode with with Cristiano. He said in his book in his book that he preferred to sell me a virus. Everything he he will sell me would be a virus, never a player. But was at the time I talked to David Gill and with uh, I didn't talk to him because I knew he wasn't in in the mood to do that. But top players go where they want to go. You 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 can't do anything against that. I had the same problem with Robinho. When he knew we were going to sign Cristiano, he came to my office and said, President, I know Cristiano is coming. I'm not going to be the star I wanted to be, so I want to leave. At that moment, a president has to think about the human being, not, not the player, and say, if he doesn't want to be here, the right thing to do is to let him go to a team where he's going to be happier and also to get the higher amount of money you can get. And, and that was it. And I remember with Cristiano, he said, I want to leave. So in a desperate move, the last month, he decided to offer the player to Barcelona. Barcelona, of course, said, fantastic, we are going to have him. And I think even they managed to pay some more for the player. But he says, no, you're wrong. I want to go to Real Madrid. That's not... Uh, that, that's not the point. And he, he was going to come the year before. I remember being in Bogota in 2008 in a friendly match. He phoned me and said... This is Cristiano. Cristiano. He said, President, uh, I'm sorry, I can't go this year as we've agreed because I have a, a commitment with Ferguson, with the club, with the fans, with the followers. Ferguson has been like my father. Uh, I've spent here... Fantastic years. They gave me the opportunity to be a player uh, I am now. So let's organize everything to go next year. And it's what, it's, it's what we did. We, he signed an agreement with the club saying that he will go to Real Madrid. If we paid £80 million, pounds, it would happen. And I think he's been a, a, a good move for everyone. Well, of course, Manchester would like to have him still. But uh, when the player says, I want to leave... There's no, no way you can do anything against that. This guy who now, maybe he doesn't have the, enjoy the same cariño as some of the other great players, but in the club's hierarchy of footballers, maybe his achievements now are something just behind Di Stefano. At least he's in the top four uh, or five players. I, I, I have to say, I didn't um, see, well, I, I see Di Stefano one or two matches in the last... Uh, Times and was a completely different period of time. So there's no way to compare different, completely different football. But um, I haven't seen a player like him. The combination of skill and talent with the obsession to be the best. Because Cristiano is obsessed by being the best. Obsessed in being the best, focus only in being the best. And a combination is unbeatable. He's getting up every morning only with the obsession to be better than the day before. And if you combine that with the skill and the talent he has, I can't see any other player like him. Really, in the last uh, decades, maybe when we, we call about Zidane, Maradona, other players, Messi, I know they are, of, of course, fantastic players, but in my opinion, it's, it's the one I had closer. And uh, it's, it's difficult to find a player with that mindset, with that idea of football, is, is not doing anything against being the best. And that, for me, is difficult to find in any industry in life. It's really unfair that here, for example, this season, 
has been questioned. Even, even aggressively by, questioned and booed. even by some of the journalists. And the, I really don't understand a player that is scoring an average of 60 goals and playing like he is playing. But it's true that uh, sometimes uh, you have that um, unfair situations. Maybe what I said before about the kind of followers that Real Madrid has, not identified with the crest, with the shirt, with the flag, but with the success. success. If you don't get the success, well, you are not uh, fit to be playing here. But Presidente, so you, you signed this man, even though by the time he joins you left, he's your player. I think, listening to you, you feel the same as I do, and I'm happy to admit this. I think one of Cristiano's problems in how he's perceived is that he's brave enough to come out and say what you've said. I want to be the best. He said, I want to be considered as the best ever. Not, I am. I'm going to try to prove. It's a very American thing. I'm not ashamed to say that's what I want in my life. And it seems to me here in Europe, certainly in Spain, it's not very appreciated if you say, I'm going to be this good. I'm not boasting. That's my objective. I think when he speaks about it, people don't like it here. Uh, I remember a sentence of my father that is uh, very appropriate for this situation. And he said always, in Spain, it's a country where you have to be forgiven for your success. <laughs> you have to try to be forgiven when you are successful. And that's uh, a sentence I remember all my life when I see a situation like this. It's a country very special. It's uh, marvelous, fantastic. I really love my country. But we have some problems with the envy. Yeah. And if we someone who is taller than anyone, more handsome than anyone, that he is successful in what he's done, you have to be careful. You don't have to be arrogant and say, I am the best. I am, perhaps, as you say, in other cultures, that's something that is seen like an example. That if he's like that, I can be like him. So I, I'm going to work hard to be like him. He is not like that. It's the idea of much better. He is not uh, very good because I'm not going to be like him. Mm. And that, that's a philosophy, I think, quite wrong. And remember that you must be forgiven when you are successful in Spain. To, to get success and to sign somebody like Cristiano means that you must learn things or delegate to find your, your way through a maze because the transfer market is brutally difficult. Tell us about the process of... In those cases, is the player. The one who always say, I want to be there, like uh, has happened with other players. I think Mendes was in touch saying, well, I think uh, he is a player that wants, the player would like to come to change. Would like to, like, like in any other, in any other business in life, uh, People want to change from a company to another. And I think he wanted to assume another challenge, coming to a different country. I think maybe the weather is, is, has been also important in, in his decision to change uh, the weather of Manchester for the weather of Madrid. I think he's happy here. And Mendes started to say, well, it could be a possibility. I didn't want to do that without Manchester involved because it's not the, the way to do that just going uh, through another line. And I, I remember talking to David Gill, fantastic guy, by the way, very good friend and a very good general manager. Yes, they, they, they've missed him since he left. Yeah. They've well, missed him as much as the manager. No doubt, no doubt. He's one of those people that 
you must have with you always yeah. if you can. Yeah. So I talked to him and he said, no, Ramon, he's not living. He's well, okay, he's not living. I, I'm not going to say anything against you, but but if the player wants to live, let's get an agreement that it's okay for everyone. And it's what finally we did. And when he said, okay, let's fix a, a price, it was the 80 million. If Real Madrid pays that amount in June, that would be for you. And that's what we did. And it was easy when when the player wanted to was so sure that he wanted to come. There was nothing to do with Manchester or with Barcelona, only Real Madrid. And I said that I had the same problem with with Robinho. Man City phoned and say, okay, if you want him, he want to leave. So let's do that. And we did it on the 31st of August. By the way, that means that it can be done in the 31st, not like happened with the hair. <laughs> I think it was a, a revenge, in my opinion. That situation was a revenge of uh, Ferguson because of the, all that uh, problem we had with Sergio at the time. And, and Man- Sergio Ramos. Sergio, I think Man- not Ferguson, Manchester United wasn't really very happy about what happened with Sergio Ramos. They, they wanted to sign Sergio Ramos. Well, I think it was nearly done, uh, is what we knew, that... Sergio wasn't happy with the extension of the contract, and he said, well, I, he was in touch, it seems. I, I can't prove that. I don't have a personal knowledge of that, but my impression is that he had um, a kind of um, understanding if he couldn't uh, get an agreement with Real Madrid. And finally, he's with us. I think uh, he's, well, he's, he's been very important in the last two in the Champions last for- League. In the last fortnight, he's been very important. <laughs> very important. And he's a very good player. It's okay with us. But they were angry that they didn't, that they didn't get a sign. I think so, I think so. I think all come from Mourinho's time when he wasn't really happy with Iker, with Sergio. That was a situation that really was um, strange in, in the club. But uh, I think everything is okay now. And, and by the way, I, I wish all the best uh, to Mourinho. He's always saying that. <laughs> no, no, it's true. <coughs> when I was, he was here... I was really critic because he, he didn't think in the way I, I thought he should. Uh, being a good manager there, because he won a lot of titles. There wasn't a lot of seniorio. In it. Well, he didn't think in the right way. But being out of Real Madrid, uh, I, I don't have anything to say. I, I received many, many messages saying what you have to say. Mourinho has said that why I talked to him. And, and I, I don't have anything against him. In fact, when... I signed Cristiano, Mendes told me, now you have the best player of the world, you need to have the best coach of the world. And I said, well, we... Who did he mean? Well, he, he wanted uh, me to sign him, and uh, Mourinho, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, we can. At the time, we had Capello, and we didn't have any idea of changing. We did, after that, because uh, uh, Schuster was the one who came. And, uh, and I saw him as a good coach, but I thought the idea, the philosophy, the way he was behaving wasn't the right one. That, that's it. That's my opinion. I know there are a lot of people here that support him, as you know. Let's say, I don't know, it's 50, but 40 or 30% of followers of Real Madrid really thinking about him and would like to have him back. Is, is that, that is the truth. You still think that in, in some time in the future, you still think that Florentino will sign him again? Well, I was sure he was going to come. If he hadn't decided to go to Man United, I was sure he, was, he would be here. And he was about to come 
when Benitez was sacked, but Mourinho said, no, this is not the moment. Not in the middle of the season. Not in the middle, but he was approached. I, I know that. <laughs> That's not... It's a, a fact. It's a fact. that He was approached and Florentino wanted him back to here. And he said, no, not in the middle of the season. Let's talk in the end, which I think it was a wise decision for him. You once told me that when you sold Rubinho, more or less you and your secretary did all the work and his agent did, what, maybe 15 minutes of work when you were selling Rubinho on the, on the transfer deadline day. Do you, do you remember that anecdote? Yes, yes, yes very well. And uh, uh, it was uh, funny to remember now after that time because I got a phone call and it was 8, 9 o'clock. I was in the club. Say, someone from Man United wanted to go to Man City. Want to talk to you? I say okay, and um, they said, "Well, we want to buy Robinho." I said, "Okay, he's he's going to leave, and I can't say anything." So, uh, how much uh, you want for that? I said, "Well, that's a problem." But they someone say, "How much?" <laughs> I have to say, I, I remember we were talking about thirty, thirty-five, and say, "Well, let's say 40. They say, "Okay, okay, okay, yes, no discussion, yes, forty, forty." He said, but what about the solidarity, the, 50, the 5%? Say, okay, okay, okay too. Say, well, that's... It's, it's, and I was thinking, I'm, I'm not an entrepreneur, I'm not, but just thinking, well, they are really interested, so I'm representing the interest of Real Madrid. And I said, but cash? He said, of course, cash. <laughs> because it's not the normal thing to do. Uh, you 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 pay in the time of the of the contract in installments, yeah. Installments. So cash. <laughs> when I, I remember I hanging up and saying to the general manager, they, they were able to pay more than that. It was, but they, when you are representing the interests of other, you're fighting for your club. You 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 say, well, let let's see what we can do. No, but so they, you, you didn't just sign Cristiano Ronaldo. You pretty much paid for half of him in one phone call. Yeah, Genius. no, no, but it was because they wanted really the, the player. And uh, I don't know, in the case of Cristiano, I think it was okay, the money. I was criticized because people thought it was a, a high amount of money, but I think it's been proven uh, being oh. very cheap. But when you sign a cheque for, I don't know if it's a banker's draft. Or, yeah. No, it's when a you, transfer. Yeah. In, in, in principle, when you sign a cheque that says 80 million, well, we, how, how does that feel as a no, man? You know what? We were criticized because telling that the poverty in the world the problems Spain is having, the unemployment. But I always said, this club is not, uh, I would call non non-profit association. No, well, N NNG. Um, well, it's, it's not. NGA, they call them here, no? Yeah, it's, it's the idea that we are not a charity company. Yeah. The money must be on the field or in the bank. But, but it's not a point that we are not spending that money, we're going to give that for charity. That's not the purpose of this company. The point is you have the money or you can pay that, that amount of money. The player is as he is is the best we can sign. So there's no point to discuss, to argue. And there was some discussions here in Spain about that. That why you can spend with the situation we're living. That, that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is you have the money, the, member, the club is able to get that money from Companies for advertisers, for commercial TV rights, and this is the player we can have now, so let's get him, and that's uh, 
I think speculate to accumulate. If you can buy the best, yeah. buy the best. I want to be loyal to our bargain because you're a businessman, you have a life. I don't want to bring this towards the end, but we have to. So I want you to speak with your football heart now. Your favourite Real Madrid player. Nowadays? Ever. Ever. You're a fan. I'm now not talking no, to you as a well, president. Uh, your favourite. Let's say that in the old times, Di Stefano, no doubt this is a legend, this is the, the figure, the main player we'll have in all our life. But in the current watch, Raúl. For me, it represents uh, everything. I know that we've had Zidane, Ronaldo, Beckham, now Cristiano. It's not because he's a Spaniard and he's a good guy. It's because it represents the values, some, the values of the club, like Iker Casillas. I say the, let's say if we can choose two, you I can. Raúl and Iker. I'm pleased you included him. In, in each uh, part of the field... I think they represent the values of the club. They've been here for 17, 18 years since they were very young. They've been fighting with all the problems. It's not easy to see that you've been in the club for the, all that time, coming other players from abroad and getting more recognition and getting more money and not saying anything against the club, against the president, against anyone, just accepting that because it's like that. They wanted to be focused in just helping the club and representing the club in the right way. And as I, as I said, very difficult to find all the stars, and they are part of the stars, but in the second line. And that is very, very difficult. And they did it in a way that is admirable. Do you say admirable? Admirable. Admirable. Absolutely right. So are you impressed or unimpressed? about the way in which the club said goodbye to both of them. You may answer truthfully. It's really sad. What has happened is sad. You English do things in a way that we have to copy. You did with all the players, with Steven Gerrard, last one. Something that I can't understand, we didn't hear. Maybe it's the character or the, the personality of this president that he didn't like the inheritance he receives. So he thought... They were on his players. And perhaps they did things in a way that is not understandable. Schalke in Germany gave us a lesson. When Raul, only three years, he went just going around the pitch with the kids, everyone just applauding, everyone standing up, ovation. Respect. Uh, they, Treated like a legend. That's right. Given respect. They decided to uh, retire the number for, I think, one season, the number seven. Correct. So something that uh, is unbelievable that has happened in Germany with a Spaniard that has been three years. And here, he's been 17. He's won everything with Real Madrid. He's given all his life to the club. Nothing happened. And what about Casillas? He Disgusting. Yes, crying alone. No one just... Uh, being with him, I see that in, I, see, I said, very sad, really unbelievable. I think that we have to learn from our mistakes and not, not repeating this anymore. Very elegant. Speaking to your heart again, a quick one again, your favourite, the, the game that makes you the happiest, the most emotional. Only one game, okay, maybe two, but the one that makes your heart soar. The Mallorca match. <laughs> yeah, because good answer, yeah. Okay. After, after the whole season trying to get the title and just having it touching with the hands, we knew that it was just escaping yeah. because it was 20 minutes left, difficult to score two goals, 
we didn't have the players who could do that, and we did. So in the end, I said, well, if I have a heart attack now, I'm going to ha- have n- never won. And also, as I said, I came back to believe in God again. <laughs> God was was there, was uh, up there, was up there because I said they they are doing something which is not uh, understandable, even even though God sometimes do things that we don't understand. When he speaks to me, he tells me that he likes you. <laughs> the last one is, if you could have taken one player from Britain to your club, you can choose any era, any era. Well, Who I, would it have been? I've, I said before Beckham, because what he did for me, apart from what he did on the pitch, on the field, that was really important in many senses, the way he behaved in the last moments, in the worst moments is when you know the big man and he was he he behaved like a big one it's uh, really difficult to find someone as i said before with Iker Raul surrounded by stars coming from abroad having a player like Beckham at that situation at that moment and behaving and reacting as he did for me is something that is just to you say hats off? Hats off, chapeau, hats we off say here. for him in that uh, moment. I would be untrue to myself. I never like to finish on a nota amarga, but I, I'd be untrue to myself if I didn't tell you that I'm from Aberdeen. <laughs> Do you remember the temporada de cinco copas perdidas yeah. in, in 1983? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the final of the Recopa in Gothenburg with the Stefano, the coach, yeah, and yeah. a beautiful team in red? It was Aber- five was Five finals, we lost all of them, something that sometimes happens. Did you watch that final? I watched, I watched it. Was did, did you feel as if you were looking at the greatest team ever, and the, the ones in red, I mean, <laughs> it, it didn't feel like that to you? <laughs> I was so sad, and I, I didn't feel anything but sadness, because it was really something that we couldn't understand, that we had everything in our hands and we lost all of them. This yeah. tiny little team from yeah. a city like Palencia. And, and also for Di Stefano, because Di Stefano yes. was, was for us uh, everything and was, he was the would, coach. Have been, would have been a good reward for him. As it would have. We've come to your um, office as president. We've been talking about Real Madrid and I don't know if that's God phoning or Beckham, or, <laughs> but you must answer it. You've made us happy. Thank you. And for the first time ever, Hala Madrid. Ala Madrid, it's been a, a pleasure to talk to you and hope it's going to be interesting for your it has listeners. Been. It's been a joy. There you go. The Big Interview is produced by Backpage and by me, Graham Hunter. Thanks as always to Beer Jacket for the music. Please don't only keep up to date with everything that we're doing at grahamhunter.tv, but sign up. It's free. There's a little box for your email address and it means that you won't miss an episode. Never mind all the podcast apps that you've got undercast overcast wombling free whatever it might be sign up with us and we send you the podcast every time it comes out and we tell you about little pieces of news and we allow you to get your questions to us for the guests as we announce them there's a newsletter it'll keep you informed with everything that the big interview is doing we're on facebook look for the big interview we're at gh podcast on twitter and instagram please keep in touch let us know what you think we do this for you not just for ourselves, although, damn it, we do enjoy it. Thanks for being there. Bye. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. 
Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.